You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. First and goal on the Packers, two end zone to our left. Garoppolo is under center in high formation. Snap, handoff, Jacobs dances, forward, forward, touchdown Raiders! Jacobs had to dance in the pocket, but he got the motion going forward, and enough engine to get in the end zone, and the Raiders, on the first play of the fourth, take a 16-13 lead. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Here's your boy Q. Q. And here we go, here we go, here we go. Raider Nation back for another edition of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Apparently a few of you were listening to myself and Ari before the show. We definitely appreciate the heads up, though. That's how it happens sometimes. But we're back. We got the next three hours to rock with you. Coming off the heels of the JT The Brick Show. Did a fantastic job, and we're ready to uh, start to turn the page and also continue to talk about what's going on with the Raiders as they did win on Monday Night Football. It feels weird that it's already fast-forwarded all the way to Wednesday. Tomorrow will be Thursday, and, man, it's it's all full steam ahead when it comes to the New England Patriots Week 6 action. But uh, we'll talk a little bit, you know, kind of reflect still a little bit on, on, on Monday night's game, and then we'll also look forward at the same time here on the show. Ari's back in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. I'm in Studio Q. Uh, always, the show is brought to you by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. We definitely appreciate them. We'll tell you a lot more about them later on the show. But the guests that we have coming up today, Mike Giardi from Boston Sports Journal, been covering the NFL for a very long time, been covering the Patriots. And uh, again, as I mentioned, start to turn the page to uh, to what's going on with the silver and black and, and, and obviously taking on the Patriots coming up uh, on Sunday. So we'll start to get a look inside uh, the Patriots, what they've got going on. So Mike Giardi, Boston Sports Journal, will join us at 2.30. Our good friend Ari Mayrov, 33rdteam.com. He'll join us at 3 o'clock to talk all things NFL. And uh, he joins us usually once a week, maybe once every two weeks. He'll join us to talk uh, all the different storylines going on across the league. That's coming up at 3 o'clock at 3.30. Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. She'll join the show. We'll talk all things Aces. They'll be in action tonight. Uh, game two of the WNBA Finals. And then, of course, UNLV as well. That's her specialty. So Aces and UNLV will be covering with Paloma coming up at 3.30. So uh, Mike Giardi, Boston Sports Journal, 2.30. Ari Mayroth, 33rdteam.com at 3. And Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports at 3.30. Also, Vinny Boston, yours already sent us over some locker room sounds, so we'll definitely get to that. Uh, we've got some sounds from Jacoby Myers, as many of you probably already know, Michael Mayer, and also Max Crosby. We'll get to uh, all that on the show. We'll also hear from Devontae Adams what he had to say on on Monday following the, the Packers uh, game in the Raiders locker room. We didn't get a chance to get to that yesterday, so uh, we'll blend a little bit of the old with the new, and uh, that's the beauty of what we're doing around here. Right, and just kind of continuing to keep the train rolling on Radio Nation Radio 920. Appreciate all the feedback that we're already receiving on the don'tbebroke.com text line, the phone line, and even Twitter at RNR 920 AM, at RE Produces, and at your boy Q254. So, again, the guests that we have lined up for the show Mike Giardi, Boston Sports Journal, Ari Mayroth, 33rdteam.com, and Paloma, Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports coming up at 3.30. Let's go ahead already and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. 
So got a couple topics I'd like to bring to the table. I do this each and every day. Uh, one of them is the serious one about the team, the current state of the team, and how they get things going, turned around, especially on the offensive side of things. And then another one is kind of a fun situation. I'll tell you about the fun situation next. But off top, with the Raiders having a shaky offensive line, I think we could all agree on that, right? I, I mentioned about the defense and what they were able to do and what they've done so far this season. I think that they are the strength of the team right now. They're only giving up 22.8 points per game. Uh, I think that that's pretty good. That's actually middle of the pack, and that's all that we've ever asked for is a middle-of-the-pack defense. And points per game is all that I really care about. Uh, the yards, they could be skewed, but points can't. So 22.8 points per game is what they're giving up. That's middle of the pack. So the defense is doing their job. Now, hopefully they sustain it and get better because they still have a lot of room to grow. But as far as the offense, only, only getting 15.8 points per game is not enough. So we know that the offensive line is shaky right now. It is clearly not where it needs to be. Jimmy G is clearly uh, getting happy feet back there because he's under pressure, quick, fast, and hurry. As soon as he snaps the ball, he's got a lot of pressure on him, especially on third down when defenses are able to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's in a state of panic, right? And that's not good for any quarterback. So with the, the offensive line being shaky, what do you feel could be done to jumpstart this offense at this point? Again, they're 2-3 and three on the season. They're still in the thick of things, right? Like Max Crosby said, if they had dropped to 1-4, it would have been a problem. They didn't drop to 1-4. They're 2-3, and three, so they're still, like I said, their head's still above water. They still have an opportunity, especially with this game coming up on Sunday against the Patriots. a very winnable game, but I guarantee those guys in New England are looking at the Raiders on the schedule and saying it's a very winnable game as well, right? Because they haven't just beat the brakes off anybody. So what can the Raiders do, in your opinion, to get this offense jump-started and help out the offensive line that you know there's not any big wholesale changes they could do to it right now to upgrade it that much better. I mean, they just there's just not, right? I mean, you look at the offensive line, you know the, the characters, the cast of characters that they have. That's all that they could really work with right now. So what can Josh McDaniels, what can, you know, Mick Lombardi, what can anybody on that offensive side of things do to get everything jump-started is one of the questions that I have for you, especially since you know that the offensive line is pretty shaky. So you can always hit us up at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187, keyword R&R. And then the fun question that I have, and it's, it's not really that fun for me because it reminded me of some time that was just, well, it wasn't a good idea for me. And uh, this is actually a tweet that I saw this morning from at uh, NFL Maverick, AFL Godfather, and uh, it's hashtag WaybackWednesday. It says October 11th, 1998, uh, 25 bingo cross win. The late quarterback Wade Wilson connected with wide receiver James Jett for a 68-yard touchdown with less than two minutes left in the game. 16 punts by Leo Aragus, which is an NFL record, and uh, the Raiders end up beating the San Diego, then San Diego Chargers, 7-6 to in that game. But the reason when I, this caught my attention when I saw this tweet this morning, and I even quote tweeted and said, that's the day I learned to never leave a game early. I was in the Coliseum parking lot when this play happened. The only moment of good offense, and I missed it because I was in the in the Raider, or yeah, I was in the parking lot of the Coliseum, making my way to the car, getting ready to leave. And there was multiple reasons why I was getting ready to leave. One, I was irritated by the company that was with me. But two, I was just frustrated because, well, like the tweet says, sixteen punts by Leo Araguiz, you know. So uh, there was no offense to be had at all. So I just knew that that game was in the book. So I just said, you know what? I'm just going to get up out of here, man. I'm just I'm going to roll. And then as soon as I get to the parking lot, I get about halfway to my car, and it's a rare time that I even drove. Most of the time I, I, I took Bart to the game. But a rare time that I drove, 
I'm all of a sudden I'm in the in the parking lot, almost to my car, and I hear the Coliseum go nuts. And I'm like, man, what the hell just happened? So then realized what happened, got to the car, turned on the radio, and realized what happened. And the only bright spot in that whole stinking game that the Raiders won, I missed because I left early. So that was a, a, a memory that it always reminds me, every time I think of that game, anytime we talk about that game, I remember that that was the day that I, I learned not to, not to leave a game early. Now, if it's a blowout or something, yeah, go for it. But if there's any chance, if there's a mathematical chance that the Raiders in particular can get back into the game, you, uh, you don't leave that game. So the question that I have for you, and again, just it's, we're always pretty serious, but like to like to have some fun as well. What is your best or worst memory from a Raiders game that you attended? Or maybe, you, I mean, I guess you could say you watched it on TV and maybe you had a bad experience at the house, but I feel like the, the better or worst scenario would be in attendance at a game, like in that case where I left the game uh, right before the fireworks happened. The only fireworks. like It's like going to the 4th of July show, and there's one firework, and I missed it. Like there was only one firework the whole show, and like I didn't see it. I saw all the duds. I saw every time they tried to light the Roman candle, and it just went out. It fizzed out like it was the old, old thing of fireworks. I missed all that. You know, I mean, all that was, was what I saw. And then the one time that they found one that was actually a legit firework, I was already gone. Right, all I heard was a poof, and I saw whatever was in the air. So that's the two questions that I have. The, the serious one is obviously about the Raiders' offense. With a shaky offensive line, what could be done to jumpstart this offense, in your opinion? And give me your best or worst memory from a Raiders game. I think the best way to do it would be one that you attended. Let me know about it. 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text sign 69187, keyword R&R. And as mentioned before, you can hit us up on Twitter, as many of you already have, at R&R 920 AM, at RE Produces, and at your boy Q254. Let's go out to Sacramento, California. Let's talk to our guy, Raider Greg. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, Q, my brother. Shout out to you and Ari, man. The best duo in the game. Uh, just want to give you, send out my love to you and your families. Um, when it comes to the offensive line, I mean, Q, to be honest, there's really nothing you can do to jumpstart that offense. I mean, it's just when you, as you know, I mean, watching football, you know, and even me growing up playing football, it's like the offensive line, that's where everything starts. And, I mean, at first I was saying, okay, 72 Illuminor, because obviously it jumps off and you see, you know, a lot of pressures are coming inside, a lot of broken plays. But the thing that just like, where it's something has to be done, it has to be done by Brasillo. It has to be done by that offensive line coach, okay. whether it's starting Mumford. You know, I like Mumford because with Illuminor you already know what you got, but then you can't just say it's him. You know, because the thing that shocked me a little bit um, and let me know that our offensive line is really in a troublesome spot is because last this last game on Monday night, those two third downs where they got the sack on Jimmy, they only rushed four, and we have five blockers. Yeah, yeah. So that's the part where really, I mean, because I can understand if they're sending blitzes and things like that, and, you know, I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm a glass half full guy. Yeah. But when I see four get through on five, just straight up rush, I mean, it's, it's real concerning. I, I, I don't know. It has to be fixed by Brasillo, and I've been tweeting it over and over all year that that's the coach that my eyes are on, and I want to see because I was, you know, we were sold that this is the offensive guru, he, offensive line guru. He knows one of the best of all time, and I just want to see it, you know, because I, I these are the guys that they chose to run with. You know, right. you got guys on practice squad, these guys that they drafted, these are your, their guys. So yeah. I, he's got to make a change because without that, 
the running game doesn't work. You got happy feet from Jimmy Garoppolo. It's just a lot of things that, you know, there's plays. You see the frustration from Josh McDaniels on the sideline because there's plays that he's dialing up. And I heard a good interview on JT earlier where it says that just, you know, him, when it comes to Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick, they're a little bit tarnished because they've seen greatness for so long. They've seen the offensive line always be right. So it's just when you don't have that right, it's, it's just a problem, too. Um, and, I, and it's just going to come from Brasillo. It has to come from Brasillo and those guys in that line room, and that's all I'm watching every week. The rest of the team, I'm encouraged with. But when it comes to that unit, without them, you can't do anything. And um, on the other note with the fun, fun game, I can't remember the year, Q. It was one of the last years in Oakland. It's when we started off the home game. We played against the Ravens. And it was uh, – I went up there with the whole 707 tailgate. That's a lot of my friends and partners you probably know of. Always in that front row in the, in the tailgate back in Oakland Coliseum back in the day. And we won that game. Uh, I want to say we won it at the end. I can't remember what happened. But it was versus the Ravens, I remember. It was the first game of the season. I think it was either the last – it wasn't the last season, but the season before. But that was just such a great game because it always, I always think about the tailgate and yeah. how it was just family at Oakland Coliseum. Nice, uh, nice. And, and I just I just loved it. But thank you, Q, for taking my call. Yeah, offensive line, Brasillo, he got to do something. You got to right. do something. Man. That'll work. That'll work. Hey, great call, Raider Greg in Sacramento. Appreciate hearing from you, man. It's always good to hear from you. Got some texts as well. Uh, how about K- Kobe from Kansas City? He says, hey, Q, my best memory was the only time I was at the Coliseum in 2018 against the Steelers, and we won by their kicker slipping on the turf to go for a game-winning field goal. That was amazing. The worst, though, I was at Gruden's last game of 2021, and we sucked that game. Super cool to see the stadium, but with all the Bears fans there, how flat we were and the surrounding stuff going on, it sucked. But anyways, Raiders. That's from Kobe in Kansas City. And, yeah, I remember that game, too. We had family and friends in from uh, Texas in that game, and I kept hyping it up how much fun they were going to have at a Bears or at a, a Raiders game. And, they, you know, obviously they're taking on the Bears, and that's when all this stuff was going on with Gruden and the emails. And, yeah, I remember that. That was uh, a rough deal, and – yeah, there was absolutely no energy in that stadium at all except for Chicago fans, and uh, that was a rough one. But, yeah, that, uh, that Steelers game, it's always, it was always good to beat the Steelers, right, especially when it was uh, a, a home game for the Raiders, uh, which they always dominated against the Steelers. Let's go out to Monterey, California, talk to Raider Jay. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, what up, Q? Thanks for taking the call, man. And, yep. Hey, I think, uh, I think Greg's on to something about Priscilla, right, because if you remember, I've always been in our, in our past conversations, what do we got to do? It's like being show me. Hey, Patrick Graham, show me, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Patrick Graham's getting it done. You know, one of the Raider forums I'm on, uh, uh, Fans in Black, by the way, it's a good forum. Um, this guy's going on about uh, Patrick Graham for head coach. and I mean, you just can't. That's ridiculous. But before this game, or well, before these four games, I guess, or as we look back collectively, there's, I would have I scoffed at that. Right. Um, and I'm not saying I support it, just a, just a, a by the way. Um, but the point being that, hey, it looks like he's showing. It looks like Graham is showing. It looks like uh, the Brain Trust put together uh, a good back end. It looks like these much maligned, off-maligned uh, linebackers are, are balling. I love me some Spillane, man. Keep mm-hmm. growing, Diablo. Let's go. Who knows what Masterson's ultimately going to be, but um, it's kind of working. And if we get healthy on the D-line, this can be a real legit defense. And like you said, all we've ever asked for is give me give me a fifteen, give me a fourteen, or yeah. even a seventeenth rank defense. I mean, listen, not to not to open up old pick scabs, but if we would have given D D D C, you know, for a, a defense, yeah, that poor kid, that poor kid, 
I mean, I, lo- I love what he gave us, and I don't, I don't want to insult him, but he's not necessarily a man's man, which is kind of the knock on him. And here he is in the great big world of the NFL, and he's got no defense. Right. And he's got mad arm talent. He might sometimes make some questionable calls, uh, throws, but give that kid a, a top-ten defense. I mean, we gave him one defense, and we made it to the playoffs until Penn got his ankle broke. But, but anyway, uh, backing it up, yeah, I think Brasillo – uh, what do we need to do this year? I think if Brasillo can can start playing, I don't know that he was ever touted as the as the the, uh, the godsend of offensive line coaches. I don't know if Greg was is accurate on that, or or if uh, I thought he was just kind of a also ran coach over there. But maybe you can educate me on that. But anyway, uh, yeah, get the offensive line going. What about the slant, bro? Well, didn't didn't Devonte just crush for years in Green Bay on the slant? Yeah. If you got a if you got a suspect offensive line, dude, you can get a slant out in point three seconds, and Jimmy don't have to worry about taking hits. You know, and and what about you know more of the screen game? You get Jacobs in space with the ball with blockers. Come on, man. You know what he's going to do. So as far as that goes, that's where I would go. Hey, my uh, my my game. I took my boy who plays defensive end at Salinas High for. For uh, the JV squad, 55, yeah. loves him some Max Crosby. Took him to the opener with uh, the Cardinals. Man, it was awesome. It was great into the into the Coliseum. It was great getting in and getting up to the torch and uh, introducing him to JT. What a, what an honor. It was, you know, great shaking uh, EA's hand and telling Mr. Plunkett, thank you for all he's done for us. It was just a bomb game. It was like the epitome of my entire Raiders experience from a boy. It's like we're, we're stomping at, we're kicking ass through the league, and we're just taking names, right? We're dominating Monday night. And then we go mediocre. And then it's been 40 years or 30 years of pain. <laughs> but uh, that's what that game was like. And I told my son, I'm like, brother, I was like, son, <laughs> this is what you're witnessing. It's, it's the arc of our, of our Raider history in the last 40 years, uh, epitomized in one game. Hey, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get off here and, and open up the air. And say that, you know, I love the nation, and thank you, you guys. But I wanted to offer an apology. I gaffed on JT's show. I called in when uh, before the, I think it was the Charger game, and they were talking about Black Hole Rob, and it was, uh, and they were honoring him. And I said Raider Rob, and I just want to say sorry to Rob, Raider Rob. And, well, first off, Black Hole Rob and his family for that mistake, but Raider Rob and his family, if I made anybody worry. So it was just a gaff bad form. I apologize to JT and the nation. Hope we can, uh, you know, get past that one. Yeah, anyway, no worries. Guys, I'm out. Hope you all stay well. All right. Hey, thanks for the call. Thanks for the call. Appreciate you. Um, yeah, a lot of good stuff to unpack there, and there's something that they got to do. I mean, Jimmy's always known as the guy that can get the ball out of his hands quickly, similar to D.C., and, you know, they, they've got to be able to do that, man, because the offensive line, I just don't know how much better it's going to get, uh, you know, sooner rather than later. But last year there was also questions about the offensive line, and they did a lot of rotating, and at some point they got better. So maybe it's something that they could work their way into. I just know that you're staring at the barrel of uh, week six right now, and so something's got to f- be figured out sooner rather than later. If that offense can't click and complement a defense that for once is a complementary defense, then it's, it's going to be tough sledding. I mean, look, I'm happy about two wins. But I'd be happier with four wins, five wins. I mean, they they could win games with that defense. They could win games with a a competent offense. But averaging 15.8 points a game is not going to win you a whole lot of games. Raider Dad Bod said, Q&Ari, 
You guys do a great job. Since the old line is shaky, we need to operate out of the shotgun and only out of the shotgun until the issue is addressed. And worst experience watching the Raider game was watching Gruden lifting Lombardi with the Bucks instead of with us. Go Raiders. That's from Raider Dad Bod. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a good one too. I remember that one. I was actually working uh, at another radio station, a hip hop station in, uh, in in Fresno, Cali, uh, when that one happened, and that was uh, that was a tough pill to swallow, no doubt about it. Let's go out to the phone lines real quick. Talk to our guy Shields up. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind? How's it going, Q? Good, good, good. How are you? Good. The previous caller hit it on the head and uh, right on the nail, the nail on the head and everything else. <laughs> and, uh, you said it, too, about the, about the offensive line. What I think what I think might should happen is uh, since, like, uh, Ken, uh, Lincoln Kennedy's criticism of uh, Van Rotten, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Van Roten, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is, uh, is, is accurate, I think you should move Luminor at the right guard position because I think he's better fitted in the phone booth. Um, at that guard position and start Mumford on the right side. Mumford did a better job uh, uh, later on in that game than he did. And I also was listening to the show today, and I saw that Parham had a good PFF grade. Mm-hmm. And that's not the be-all, end-all, like you're saying, right. but that is a good sign. So I think if, you know, we you're right. Last year they shifted in this and that. We were highly critical, mm-hmm. and look at what happened. We had the leading rusher in the league. Um, and – you know, also, as far as like McDaniel's and the, and the play calling, you really can't accurately criticize his play calling because he, Grapple's not getting the time to throw right. medium to deep balls. Yeah. So how can we? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And your previous call is right. We got to get the ball off quick now. Screens, wide receiver screens, screens to Jacobs, quick slants. So I don't think we really can evaluate McDaniel's game. Uh, a play calling unless this guy gets time to throw that 25 to 30 yard pass where we can open up and it is all on the offensive line now granted his game time decisions are befuddling talking about McDaniels some of them I, I, <laughs> I can't I can't figure out um but something has to give with that offensive line it's just weird how it is last year we were talking you know about the about the defense, and we're going to yep. need the defense and everything else, and now it's totally reverse, Q. Here yeah. we are <laughs> with, a, with a solid defense. It's growing. Not there yet. I mean, it's growing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we're now we're lacking in the offensive line, man. I mean, it's like working through the cornfield, man. Thank you for taking my call, man. Shields up. Let's go. Hey, great stuff, great stuff. Yeah, again, I mean, I'm so surprised at the lack of, of success this offense is having. And, you know, I, I've been critical of certain calls, like, you know, the fourth and two to end the game or potentially end the game against the Packers on Monday night. But, you know, when you go back and really look at it and kind of take emotions out of it, you think about, well, if the offensive line can't protect or open up any holes, could, could they pick up two yards? You know, and so, you know, Lincoln talked about it yesterday on the show as well. So, I mean, it makes sense. And not that I'm going to defend any calls that I just don't think are, are, are great calls, but, I mean, it, it just feels like that it's only half the playbook is open because the other half you can't quite execute just yet because, again, it goes back to the offensive line and where they're at, and they're just not where they need to be. I mean, when Josh Jacobs is getting, getting the ball, he's getting the ball, and he's immediately trying to shake a defender or two in the backfield. So that's always going to be a problem as well. They've got to be able to open something up. They've got to be able to have some success. Uh, the ground game's got to get going. None of that, none of that's going to happen without the offensive line having a little bit more success than what they had. Actually, a lot more success than what they've had. Let's go back up to the phone lines real quick and talk to Hardcore Raider. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Thank you. How you doing? Good, good, good. All right, I'll try to make it quick. Um, 
I mean, the offensive line, yeah, it's it's frustrating, but I just, I don't know, man. I, when, I, when I look at it and I evaluate it, I look at the formations that were running uh, versus last year. And maybe part of it was of last year we were forced uh, under, like, certain uh, circumstances because players got hurt, like Renfro and uh, our tight end. But last year we were, we were running a lot more eye formation. Uh, and I feel like when we were running that, not only was uh, Jacob Johnson, like, blocking a lot more, you know, and that helping, but I think the offensive line, like, stepped it up because they knew that that was our identity, you know, and that set up the pass. We're like, now I feel like we're running a lot more single back uh, sets and three wide receivers, and we're just not getting the same amount of blocking, and we're, you know, essentially minus one blocker. So, for me, it's disappointing a little bit when I look at the contracts they gave Hunter Renfro and Chandler Jones, and I know – there's reasons, you know, why one's not being used and the other's not on the team. But, you know, that could be an offensive lineman right now. But the most frustrating thing to me, just to be transparent with you, is for years I would talk about how McDaniels and the Patriots would uh, always dominate teams and they'd stick their, like, foot on, you know, teams' necks. And so many teams out there, like, try to play the clock to run the clock out, and the Patriots would always just play to win the game, meaning score a, a, a touchdown. And so with the Raiders, I feel like we – Maybe we don't have the pieces, but I don't exactly believe that. Or maybe the coach isn't confident in our uh, team like he was with the Patriots. But it's it just mind-boggling to me that for years, you know, he could keep his foot on the gas to finish a team. And then with the Raiders, I feel like he's letting his foot off the gas and we're letting teams stay in the game. Hey, thanks for the call. Appreciate you. Yeah, he acknowledged that on the Bustin' with the Boys podcast with Taylor Lewan and uh, – and, um... Uh, what's his name? The boy. Uh, now I forget. Uh, the line. Who? Yeah, Will Compton. Jeez, thanks. Yeah, Will Compton. So, uh, yeah, he said that. He said that that was part of the problem from last year. They were so close, and they didn't. They didn't put their foot on the neck, just like you said. And that's what they needed to do. They haven't had an opportunity. I don't think this year to put their foot on anyone's neck, right? I mean, I, I wish they would have, but I don't feel like they have it. They just haven't had the offense start to click. The offense hasn't started to click yet, and and it's it's again mind blowing. I don't know if it's formations like you mentioned. I don't know if it's blocking. Um, you know, I, I know Jakob Johnson does a, a, a good job. He's a heck of a blocker. You know he's not in there to receive the ball or, or even run with the rock. I mean, he doesn't do that. So he, he's he's been – I thought he's been okay. But to me it all boils back down to the offensive line. But, man, you got all this talent from Jacoby to Hunter to Michael Mayer to, to Devontae <laughs> to Josh Jacobs. You have all this talent, and you can't get over, you know, 17 points a game. And they're not even getting 17. They're literally averaging 15.8 points a game. They've got to find a way to get their offense jump-started. There's another team that's got to find a way to get their offense jump-started. Funny thing is, both teams are playing each other this upcoming weekend. That's the New England Patriots who are coming to town. Week 6 action. Mike Giardi from Boston Sports Journal. He'll join us next to talk about those New England Patriots and what the hell went wrong with their offense. It's Red Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Padilla. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Subs. Make sure you check out Subs six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas-area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at PortaSubs.com. 
Jimmy did a good job of taking the plan and going from there and taking what the defense gave him and the ball found different people, which was great. You know, whether it was Amir Abdullah on third down or Michael Mayer start the game or Jacoby or Devontae and everybody played a role in the win, which was great. Again, I can't say this enough, but just touching the football isn't the biggest thing that some guys do, you know. Uh, a lot of production for a lot of guys and not just touching it, but also doing their job around the football. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders offensive coordinator Mick Lombardi right there talking about Jimmy getting the ball to a few different guys like Michael Mayer, the, the rookie tight end, Jacoby Myers, Devontae Adams, and others. The Raiders and their offense are hoping that Jimmy gets, well, the ball spread to a lot of different guys, and they put up a lot of different points coming up on Sunday versus the New England Patriots. Let's get the Patriots side of things. Join us now on the phone lines is our good friend Mike Giardi, Boston Sports Journal. Mike, thanks so much for your time. I appreciate you. It's Weird how this game is kind of shaping up this upcoming Sunday. A uh, team that struggles to score against a team that struggles to score, right? The Patriots haven't scored in 34 offensive drives or haven't had a touchdown in 34 offensive drives. How surprised are you with Bill O'Brien being the OC that they've struggled lately to, to get in the end zone? Oh, very surprised. I mean, they look so much better in the summertime, even as they were dealing with what was a fairly um, messy offensive line situation in terms of the guys that they, they just had a bunch of injuries that it's kind of carried over here into the fall, but uh, they're not generating anything. Um, it's funny. Someone asked me the other day, well, what do they do? Well, can they just do that? I'm like, I don't even have an answer for that. I don't <laughs> think they do anything particularly well at this point. So, um, you know, they, they talk about starting over this week. They won't really get into what that means. Um, but starting over still means that Mac Jones is the quarterback, according to Bill Belichick. So uh, I, I don't, you know, look, maybe they're hoping to get healthy against the Raiders defense that's been so-so, but, I, you know, it, it hasn't looked good at all. You know, it's funny. Someone asked me last week heading into the Monday night football game what the Raiders do really well offensively, and I, I struggled to answer that as well. I, I didn't really know because, well, their, their offensive struggles have been similar to the Patriots' offensive struggles. I feel like the Raiders' issues start with their offensive line. Would you say that that's where it starts with the Patriots as well as up front? Oh, no question. I mean, look, the quarterback's playing terribly right now, so that's part of it. But I think the offensive line since week one has been very poor, four different combinations of the starting lineup. Uh, you know, they're just they're begging for somebody to be remotely competent to play right tackle. Uh, Mike Nguyenu was probably their best offensive lineman last year. He was slow to come back from an injury, re-injured himself on, on Sunday. Looks like he's probably going to play, but it's – it's the same ankle that he had surgery on. So, you know, that's another thing that sort of raises your eyebrows of, you know, what's happening here. So uh, it, it has been very difficult for them to protect. And I think they're averaging like 2.6 yards per carry, which uh, this team, I think at its heart, believes that they should be able to run the football, wants to run the football. And obviously thus far they have not been able to do that. Man, I'm telling you, it sounds a lot like the Raiders' struggles. I think they're at around 2.9 yards per carry for Josh Jacobs. So uh, very similar to what's going on uh, with the silver and black is going on with the New England Patriots. Uh, how about uh, Mac Jones? You mentioned him, and, and we know that he's been sat down the last two weeks. How much pressure is on him to, to actually go out there and have a good performance this week? I think a massive amount because I think at this point uh, he's lost face of a lot of people in the organization not that he's a bad guy or anything like that. It's just like, okay, when was the last time this guy was good? Mm -hmm. And when you go back to it, his best extended stretch of play was his rookie year when Josh McCaniels was his coach. Last year was borderline disaster. And then this year after a decent start where it looked like, okay, maybe he's getting back to the level at least that he was as a rookie. 
Uh, he's had two unbelievably uh, horrific performances that, as you mentioned, got him put on the bench both times. And uh, I just think guys look at him and say, like, he's, he's not it. And when you start to lose that faith, uh, I think it's, you know, it's hard for guys to come to work and think they're going to be successful. Mike Giardi is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Necessary Ralph is talking all things Patriots. Do you feel like it's a lack of talent as far as the skill positions, or is it squarely on the shoulders of the quarterback? I mean, I think it's a, it's a giant uh, poo-poo platter of, of, of hot garbage, if you will. <laughs> you know, it's like you, I mentioned the offensive line. You know, cl- clearly he went into that game two weeks ago against Dallas and thought to himself, they're not going to be able to protect me. Right. And you could tell right away he was sped up even before they started getting to him. And then when they got to him, he completely melted. Uh, last week, sort of the same thing where he's seen color when there wasn't necessarily color there. But then, of course, eventually, because the line's not good, it you know it starts to develop, and that's exactly what's happening. But then from a receiver standpoint, look, they don't have a one, and they don't have a two. Um, and Juju Smith-Schuster was the guy they signed to replace Jacoby Myers and um, – he has less than 100 yards receiving. He's probably not going to play this weekend because he got concussed this past week. Um, that's been, I mean, talk about a massive drop-off. And they certainly didn't feel that way when they signed him, but that's that's what they've gotten. It's just, it's been a mess. And then Mac, I mean, he just, the regression is real. The lack of confidence is real. You know, they tell him, you, you look, you just can't turn the ball over after what he did against Dallas. And on the opening drive, he, he throws the ball, he shouldn't have thrown, and he gets picked off. So, um, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a giant mess. You know, Mike, we've talked about Jacoby Myers before, and you told me that you're going to love him. He's a great guy. He's a hell of a player, but he's also great in the locker room, and he's been all that and then some. How shocked were you that they did go in the direction of Juju instead of bringing Jacoby back? Well, it was kind of funny because when I was asking around prior to free agency, I remember talking to someone um, in the decision-making process in the building, and I said, oh, you know, your guy, meaning Jacoby, is, is the best receiver in this class. And they're like, Juju, Juju's the best. Juju's wow. the best. So I was like, huh, interesting. Right away, like, you know, my radar sort of was heightened as to what, what they were possibly thinking there. And, um, you know, look, Bill said they got relatively close today to getting Myers done. Uh, I've talked to Myers people before, and that's not the sense that I ever got from them. In fact, I believe they were kind of surprised today to hear Bill say that. So, um, yeah, they made a decision for whatever reason that Juju was the upgrade um, and they were going to move on from, from Jacoby. So I don't know why you got to spin it at this point. I guess, again, you're probably trying to cover your own butts here at this point because it, the decision hasn't looked uh, to be going in your favor. No, not at all. Jacoby's been fantastic. He's been a hell of a compliment across from Devontae Adams. You mentioned Bill Belichick. There's been so much conversation about him, and is he coming back next year? What, kind of what's your gut feeling when it comes to Belichick and what's going on there in New England with him? Well, so it's interesting. You know, I think I went into the year and thought they're probably going to be about the same as they were last year, eight and nine, maybe nine and eight. And if things really broke well, 10 and seven, then, you know, 10 and seven probably gets in the playoffs, nine and eight, maybe. Um, but I thought, hey, they're a better team this year, like from a talent perspective. And then, of course, getting what I saw as an, you know, I, I still believe Bill O'Brien's a competent offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. that that just whole side of the ball would look different, um, regardless of, you know, whether or not you made massive talent improvements on the offensive side of the ball. And now to be sitting here at one and four, coming off the two worst losses um, of his head coaching career in back-to-back weeks, and to see sort of, I mean, certainly during the game, you feel like it's just like guys are just throwing their hands up, like, well, this, we're, you know, it's not happening today. And last week, you know, against the Saints team, that I think you're kind of like the same in terms of like overall talent level, and to get run out of your the building after 
what happened against the Cowboys just speaks to, I think, a larger issue that's going on. I wonder how much his message is getting across to the players. And uh, look, they got they got to win this game this week, and I'm sure Vegas feels the same way. Because mm-hmm. after this, it's Buffalo, who they've only beaten once in like the last four or five years, and that was the, the if you remember that game, the night game in the in the basically it was a hurricane in, yeah. in Buffalo yeah. uh, in December where they threw the ball three times. Yeah, and then. Then they got to go to Miami, which has been a house of horrors for them for a million years. And, you know, by the way, when two is healthy, Tua beats the Patriots. He's, I think he's, he might be 5-1 and one against them or 5-0. and oh, So it's, it's, um, it doesn't look good, you know. So 1-7, and 2-6, uh, I think the, the, the noise is only going to get louder and louder. And I don't know how you salvage that. And I don't know how you turn around and you say, yeah, we're going to bring a 71-year-old man back at 72 when you haven't won a playoff game since she last won a Super Bowl in 2018-2019. Do you think that if they were to decide to move on, it'd be more like a Tom Coughlin situation where they kind of agreed to mutually part ways and not fire him because of everything he's done for the organization? I mean, I think that's definitely the way they'd love to play it. I mean, the ownership here is is um, very – well, I think all ownership, but they're very concerned with what people think of them and how they view them and – you know, obviously they were the owners, even though if it was basically Bill's call that let Tom Brady walk out the door. Now, do you want to be the ones that also have on your on your you know your your masthead that you fired the second winningest coach of all time and Bill Belichick and the guy who won the most Super Bowls? I I I think they would prefer to be a, a mutual parting of ways. Yeah, I do too. It'd just be a lot cleaner, and like I said, I think he's earned that anyway. Mike Giardi is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Just had a couple more questions for you. Christian Gonzalez looked like he was off to a hot start, looking really good as a rookie, and then he went down with the torn labrum. Uh, that that was a massive blow, but how promising did the young rookie look while he was out there? He, he got himself into their circle of trust, if you will, pretty quickly. Um, you know, they, they just liked his approach in many ways and like with Stefan Gilmore might be headed to the Hall of Fame and he sort of has the resume that at least is going to happen in the conversation but sort of a similar approach really quiet kid introspectives um you know not slamming his chest after every play he makes and signaling complete passes but <laughs> smart picked up what they wanted to do and just very smooth in coverage I mean, there were some questions about his competitiveness coming out of Oregon and also his physicality um his physicality was fine through the first three and a half games. In fact, his physicality's, you know, led to him getting hurt on the on the tackle of Tony Pollard when he when he hurt the shoulder. But uh, yeah, they they I mean, he went from, you know, how are they going to play him? Will they will they sort of handle him with kid gloves and then maybe as the season progresses, start letting them travel? No, by week two he was he was traveling with Tyreek Hill for a fair amount of the game. Wow. He went with Garrett uh, Wilson for a fair amount of the game. Like they had C.D. Lamb for several snaps before he got hurt. So like they clearly believed he was their best cover guy and, and believed he could handle himself against, you know, I just mentioned three of the, three of the better receivers in the league. Yeah, clearly. And so they, they make the trade for J.C. Jackson. They bring him back. He got the big contract with the Chargers. What has he brought to the table? I know it's only been a, a handful of snaps that he's played so far. Yeah, you know, like, uh, so he didn't look out of place in the game. Um, you know, he has said in, the, in recent weeks prior to what happened that, that he's not fully healthy from the torn patella and, and trying to come back from that. In fact, I, I know the Chargers are surprised that he was even ready to go for the start of training camp. Now, whether that's just an, an excuse that he's making because he wasn't playing well and then, you know, was a healthy scratch, I, I don't know. But I thought he acquitted himself um, fine on Sunday, and I would imagine he'll get more snaps uh, in, in coming weeks as he, you know, gets a little bit more 
up to speed. Not that he has to go too, too far because he knows the system well, but um, gets more up to speed with the guys he's playing with and some of the stuff they're trying to do. Mike, before we let you go, how surprised, and you know this guy really well, how surprised are you that the Raiders under Josh McDaniels are struggling offensively with all the talent that they have? Yeah, it, it's a real surprise. And, I, you know, I sort of come back to them and the offensive line as well. Like, you know, I think we all know what Jimmy is at this point in his career. He's going to make some really nice throws and he's going to get into a rhythm. And then he's going to make a throw or two in the game where you're going to go, what the heck were you thinking? <laughs> uh, you know, and, that, yep. and that's just that that comes with the package of Jimmy Garoppolo. But I, I think that their inability to to protect consistently, and I think they're, you know, and obviously their inability to open any holes for for Josh Jacobs. Every time I watch Josh Jacobs, it's amazing because he's losing two yards, and I say, that's a hell of a run. Right. Because he gets the ball five yards in the backfield, and there's three guys already there. So it's uh, until they clean that up, I think it's still going to be a – you know, it's going to be a, a fight for them to get to, to 21, 24, 27, which I think you guys probably all expected when, when Josh came out there. Yeah, I did. I expected that to be a strength of the team, especially this year and the addition of Jacoby Myers, knowing what he brings to the table. I was like, man, that's a hell of a one-two punch right there, Devontae and Jacoby. And, well, it's been everything but that just because they haven't been able to get 20 points yet this season. I know the Patriots have only done it once, and that was week one. So there's that. Well, Mike, fantastic stuff as always, my man. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Maybe get a little bit more intel on the Patriots. Well, got a got a piece coming out on Mac Jones a little bit later today and just sort of um, maybe – diving a little bit deeper into some of the details about, um, you know, how the, the, the organization and how some of the locker room feels about him, and, and, you know, sort of what he's feeling at this point is he's in a situation where it's kind of, you know, make or break time. Yeah, it is. It really is. There's a lot of heat and both teams need victories. Both teams need the score come Sunday. Great stuff as always, Mike, man. We really appreciate your time. Uh, we'll talk to you soon and thanks again for it. Appreciate you, brother. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Mike Giardi right there. Boston Sports Journal. Fantastic. Been covering the NFL like a glove for a long time. Covering the Patriots. Knows Josh McDaniels inside and out. Uh, you know, just great stuff. Great uh, great source of uh, information right there. And definitely appreciate him giving us a few minutes of his time. And, man, the Patriots sound they sound like they're on the struggle bus in a major way, right? They sound like they're way more on the struggle bus than even the Raiders are. Now, again, I'm saying this on Wednesday. I'm saying this on Wednesday, and I'm also saying don't be that team that helps them get off the struggle bus. Don't help them be the get-right team. Don't be what? Don't be a slump buster. You don't want to be a slump buster. 2.45 is the time. We'll come back, get your calls, text, close out hour number one. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Got some locker room sound that we want to get to in a matter of minutes, and uh, we will do that in just a few. Probably, I would say, pencil that in maybe around 3.15, just because we have some calls that I want to get to and some very patient members of Raider Nation that want to get their uh, their voice heard, so we're going to make sure we do that right now at 702-365-9200. Of course, you can always hit us up on the don'tbebroke.com text sign at 69187, keyword r or on Twitter at r r 9.20 a.m. at Ari Produces, at your boy Q254. Let's go out to Santa Clara, home of Great America. Let's talk to Raider Neff. What's on your mind? Welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going, Q? Good, uh, how are thanks you? Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, just uh, for uh, – there's a couple things for the Raiders to really uh, get this offense going. And the first one's probably go hand-in-hand hand is better play calling and just got to get the offensive line going. So, I mean, I, I, I could see maybe why Josh McDaniels is a little – apprehensive about maybe opening up the playbook because, I mean, we, we can't even really protect Jimmy G that much. Josh Jacobs has really gotten going. 
So I really wanted to get get that going. I want to see Michael Mayer get more involved, man. You know, yeah. I feel like when that guy uh, gets the ball in his hands, I feel like he's just going to not put the moves on anyone, but he's going to get that yak. He might be running through some people. You know, he could be like a like a new style Gronk. I mean, no one's going to be a Gronk, but, I mean, right. he could be that new style of Gronk. Uh, and then also uh, I got I got a couple good memories, one A and one B. I can't really figure out which one is the best. My first one, uh, the first game I ever went to, six years old at the at the Coliseum, it was 1998. I'll never forget it like it was the other, like it was yesterday. We beat the Bengals 27 to 10. James Jett and Tim Brown put on a show, man. I, I miss those guys so much. It was <laughs> yeah. such a good game. It was a great game walking out of there. I was. I was wasn't uh, wasn't taller than four feet, but I felt like I was six foot two walking out of there, man. First game, <laughs> we freaking won. We won so so well. And then, oh man, I got two really bad memories. Q, you you will remember these games too, man. When we put Nick Foles in the Hall of Fame, when he <laughs> threw those seven touchdown passes. Oh my goodness! Eagles. Yep. Uh, what yep. is up with that, man? That was brutal. I, I, I'm, it was so bad, Q. I stayed the whole game. I, I'm not. I'm not even gonna lie. I stayed the whole game. I sat <laughs> down in that chair and I was just looking up at, at, at the sky. What is going on? And then I think it might have been the same season. I'm not sure. But when Jamal Charles cooked us with five screen passes. Yep. Oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, that too. Five screen plays. It's almost like you, when, when as a defensive lineman, when you see those old linemen bail out, you follow them. Yeah. You, you follow them. You, yep. you, I, I, I don't get it. I, I guess it's easier said than done when we're sitting in the seats. But, I mean, those are my those are my memories from the Coliseum. I haven't been to a game at Allegiant Stadium yet. We've toured it, but. Yet to see a game, it's super darn expensive. But, uh, yeah, those are my memories. Thanks for taking my call. Raider Nation, love you guys. Hey, man, stay up. Good call, good call. And, hey, look, we give out tickets to the game all the time, so make sure that you're listening and paying attention, man. Maybe you can uh, become a winner or just, you know, like you said, buy some tickets, come out, check out Allegiant Stadium. It is awesome. Let's go out to the Lone Star State, talk to our guy Tim. Tim in Texas, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Okay. Hello. How y'all guys doing? Oh, we're blessed. What uh, what I was going to say is I think what we're what we're starting to see is we're starting to see who the real uh, person in New England was that was uh, winning the football games. Now I know Bill Belichick is a good coach and all that kind of stuff, but if you uh, neither one of them uh, McDaniel's or Belichick has won anything without uh, Tom Brady. Uh, 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 McDaniel's is a play caller. We don't need a play caller. We need a coach. We need a football coach. We don't need no play caller. They had every uh, opportunity to fix their line this offseason. They did nothing. They sit up there and got a seventh pick in the draft that ain't doing nothing. I'm from the home of Texas Tech, and I'm I'm rooting for the kid. But they shouldn't have even drafted him in the first place. All this, bringing him along slowly. You don't bring a seventh pick along slowly. He needs to. They need to do whatever they got to do. They shouldn't have even picked him in the first place. They could have. It was too many people that they could have picked other than him. They did nothing to try to improve the offense, uh, especially the offensive line. They got all this talent on the offense, and the defense is the one that's doing everything. Um, we. Uh, it's time for McDaniel's to go. We need a coach, not a play caller. All right. Hey, thanks for the call. Appreciate you. And Tyree Wilson out of Texas Tech, Las Lubbock, Texas, East Texas. And, yeah, man, he's, uh, you know, he's supposed to be, be be the guy. And I think that, you know, you have to give him time. The, the, the plan was long term. I know we all want to see super immediate, you know, results. But the plan with him was long term. Obviously, the plan changed, and sometimes that happens. So I think that we still have to give him time to see what he's going to be. I do believe he has potential. 
Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things until you see it, you just aren't going to believe it. But I definitely appreciate your call. Uh, love the feedback. Love hearing from you. 255 is the time. Ari Mayrod from the 33rd Street, 33rdteam.com joins us next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.